You are listening to Preaching and Teaching on the Man of God Network of Podcasts. This resource combines expositional sermons and lectures from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary to help equip listeners for the work of the ministry. The second proposition uh, in uh, the um, A.A. Hodges Commentary on the Confession, page 58 and 59, is this, that the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not different names of the same person. What error is that? Modalism. But different persons. These three divine persons are distinguished from one another by certain personal properties and are revealed in a certain order of subsistence and operation. And so here's what we have to appreciate. And this is where the mystery of Trinitarianism really begins to impress itself upon us. That just as the Father is the one undivided God, the Son is the one undivided God, and the Holy Spirit is the one undivided God without remainder, so at the same time, each person is distinguished by an incommunicable personal property. And the Father's is that he is unoriginate. The property of the Son is he is begotten of the Father. The property of the Spirit is he is spirated or um, breathed out by the Father and the Son. And these cannot be interchanged with one another. They are, they are incommunicably distinct properties within the processional relations. Father possess it. Let me put it in a more classical way. The father's property is paternity. The son's property is filiation. And the spirit's property is spiration. So I could have, that, that would have been better to put it up there, but uh, we're, we're okay because we, we've got it. This is probably, um, I think, one of the greatest difficulties in the doctrine of the Trinity while confessing undivided numerical unity without remainder, we confess three properties not common to the others. But he adds something that I think is, uh, is, is helpful, and it might uh, give us a, a little bit of aid in understanding this mystery. He says the properties of each divine person are those particular modes of personal subsistence which distinguishes the relation of each to the others. Now, what does that, what does that mean? Well, let me just put it this way. And this is complex, okay? This is the, probably tonight, it might be the most complex thing that we say, but just put, think with me for one second. As the Father is that one essence, that relation is a relation of subsistence. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get it in there. 
If I had a finer line, I could do it. This is a, here, I'll go low. I'll go down this way. He subsists as the one God. So the, how does the Father relate to the essence? By subsistence. And subsistence means he is that essence as the Father. But when we talk about the Father is in his relation to the Son, we're talking about a relation of procession. It's a processional relation. This, 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 these two lines here, uh, now that, that the pedagogy is probably not ideal here, but this is, when we're saying the Father is the one divine essence, we're saying it's a relation of subsistence. When we're saying the Father is not the Son, it's in a processional relation of personal origin. So when we say the Father is not the Son, we're saying what? That the Father, His property is paternity. The Son's property is filiation. And so the Father is not the Son as He begets the Son from all eternity. And so these two lines, this line right here, I'm just going to erase this one. There we go. One line is sufficient. This line that where we say the Father is not the Son is a processional relation. And the Father has both. On the one side, what is the Father's relation to the essence? Subsistence. What is the Father's relation to the Son? Procession. Generation. When we think that way, we can affirm a real distinction among the persons without dividing or partitioning the essence. Because what? As the Son is begotten of the Father, He's what? He is or subsists as the one God. The Son both is from the Father, processionally. He is the one God without remainder by way of subsistence. And so these two lines, procession and subsistence, help us affirm what? Unity, essential unity, personal diversity in the Godhead as equally basic, equally and foundationally basic. The three persons do not divide the one essence of God. They subsist distinctly as that one essence. Now, these insights are, I would say, these two structural strands are foundational to everything in Reformed uh, Trinitarian Orthodoxy. And Van Til is... Um, depending on Hodge's exegesis and seeking to advance that. Now, the, the third, um, how, how can I do this? Well, let me, let me, let me abbreviate something just to, to give you kind of the third um, um, uh, structural strand. And this is, this is getting a little unwieldy. If the board were a little larger, I'd, I'd have, well, I'm not going to change it. So you've got to bear with me on this. 
Um, but we have, um, oh, I'll do it. I'll, here, hold on. There we go. Um, I gotta serve you right, okay. Now, let, me, let me put this back on the board and then give you the third structural strand. And I'm going to develop the third one a little later, probably, um, probably tomorrow, if, uh, maybe later tonight. But here, here we go, one more time. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Son is God. These are relations of subsistence. That word says subsistence. It doesn't look like it does, but it did. It's what it means. There are also incommunicable personal properties. The Father's is paternity. The Son's is filiation. And the Spirit's um, is spiration. And, and these help us recognize that there are incommunicable personal properties. So we say the Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. And these are processional relations. That's better, isn't it? That's a clearer... That's, that's a clearer um, now, the third, the third um, structural strand that I'm, I'm going to, to give you, but then I'm going to develop more later, is the structural strand of perichoresis or co-inherence. And that is um, that is the idea that the father, in his relation to the Son, the relation of, of uh, generation, indwells the Son. The Son indwells the Spirit. The Spirit indwells the Father in what we call relations. Goodness. Maybe that's a little high to write. But this indwelling is a relation of personal co-inherence. Co-inherence. Each person dwells in the other as each is God and in these relations of personal origin. No sooner is the Son generated by the Father than He dwells in the Father and the Father in Him. This is also called perichoresis. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that kind of extensively later. But these are the three structural strands of Trinitarian Orthodoxy. Relations of subsistence, Father is God, Son is God, Spirit is God. Relations of personal origin, processional relations, paternity, filiation, and spiration. 
And then relations of personal coherence within the Trinity, perichoresis. Now, what does that help you uh, see? It helps you see that unity and diversity in the Godhead are equally basic. One is not privileged over the others because these are eternally primordial realities. In fact, if you could think of it this way, I distinguish them in terms of a logical order. This just is the life of God in his triune existence. And you can't separate these things from one another. I think I, in, in one context or another, I talk about them as a, um, as in, uh, inextricably intertwined features of the divine life. They're not isolatable. Um, now, I have a little bit more I'd like to say on one level, but what I'd like to do next is talk to you about um, Van Til on absolute personality. Um, and that is from Bavink. Um, and the, the issue there is an important issue that I'd like to talk about, Bavink on absolute personality. Um, in, in chapter 17 of the, of the Intro to Systematic Theology, Van Til quotes Bavink now. And, oh, and I guess I should say this. The importance of Van Til quoting and working with Bavink is this. Please log this away. I didn't do justice to this in my introductory comments. But chapter 17 of the Intro to Systematic Theology features two fundamental and complementary Reformed traditions. You have the English Puritanism of Old Princeton, represented uh, um, in the symbol of the Westminster Confession of Faith, expounded in the work of A.A. Hodge. What is that? That is the English Puritanism of the uh, high scholasticism of the 17th century. And Van Til is saying, that's my confessional tradition. But at the same time, in chapter 17, beginning especially on about page 220, uh, 222, 223, Van Til cites and develops extensively from Bavink's Reformed Dogmatics, which invokes what? It invokes the continental Dutch strain of Trinitarianism. Now, why is that important? Well, I want to tell you to, to why. Um, and this is, this is something, I, I wrote a book on this, and I, I think this is how I began the third chapter. And I think it needs to be appreciated. Van Til is often viewed as a kind of idiosyncratic, isolated figure. People love to make it sound like he, you know, with his Dutch shoes on, maybe crawled Cartesian style into a Dutch oven and just started making theological words and concepts up. You know, the idiosyncratic Van Til. The Orthodox Van Til, I'd get that title, uh, of course, title in here. The Orthodox Van Til, though, the Van Til uh, in his published writings is, is concerned, listen, to be an ecumenical Reformed theologian. He is seeking, in chapter 17, 
of the Intro to Systematic Theology, which is the most programmatic section that he develops the Trinity in his, on all of his work, he's seeking to integrate the two great streams of Reformed confessional theology, English Puritan and Continental Dutch. And so this is, if, if you want the, you know, when I talk about old Westminster, just think of it as that first faculty, the Paleo Westminster faculty, Machen and Murray and Van Til and Stonehouse and Aulis and others. Um, when, when you think about Westminster's founding, one of the things that stands out in that older uh, seminary uh, is, is it's the confluence of those two great streams. And I think Van Til is particularly leading that charge in terms of the, the English Puritan and the Continental Dutch streams. And, um, and Bavink is given numerous pages here in, in chapter 17. And I wanna to talk to you about one of the most um, difficult portions of Van Til's um, uh, Trinitarian theology. It's, the, it's his doctrine of absolute personality or God as an absolute person. Now, in order to frame that, I wanna go back and help you see something before we talk about bombing. I wanna help you see something that um, Hodge and the um, old Princeton theologians developed. This is cool. I'm starting to like this. I don't have to erase. Um, it, so, pardon me for this. I was trying to cut something out of my lecture, but it, it doesn't work. I, I need to prepare you for this. So, pardon me for bad pedagogy. At least I'm aware it's bad. That's that's the to, you got to be aware of that sort of thing. At least I am. Um, now, what I want you to to uh, a lot of people have concerns, and by a lot of people, I'm thinking of the 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 De Boers in the '50s. Um, R.C. Sproul and John Gershner in the 80s, Keith Matheson and John Fesco in our present day, they think Van Til, when he speaks of God as being three conscious, is a tritheist. Okay? That, that's the concern that they have. Now, let me, let me um, give you an, an argument here. I'm going to try to state it as an argument. What is entailed... Let me put it in the form of a question, then I'll give you a thesis. What is entailed by the numerical unity, the indivisible, indivisible divine essence, remember, that is numerical unity on the one side, okay? And then secondly, these three incommunicable personal properties, that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. What is entailed by the numerical unity of God and the distinction of Trinitarian persons? Well, listen to what Charles, um, what A.A. A. Hodge says, and then what Van Til says in seeking to develop them. Listen. Hodge says, God exists, this is um, a quote from Hodge's evangelical theology, if you're so inclined to jot this down, 
pages 102 and 103. Hodge says that God, quote, exists eternally and constitutionally as three self-conscious persons. But for all we know, in the depths of his infinite being, there is a common consciousness that includes the whole Godhead and a common personality. God exists from eternity as three self-conscious persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, um, I'm going to come off my notes and just try to explain this to you, why people find that uh, problematic. On the one hand, we said that there is one intelligence, one will, one self-awareness in God that flows from numerical unity. Hodge, A.A. Hodge, is saying that there is also, in addition to a one consciousness in God, there, are, there is a three consciousness in God because you have three self-conscious persons. Now, people who hear that language will immediately say that is tritheism. Why? Because tritheism posits three, and listen to this language, separate self-conscious centers in the Godhead. In fact, the Cartesian conception of consciousness is that self-consciousness, the consciousness of self, cannot be shared. It's, it's, it's incommunicable. So when Hodge and Van Til following him says that God is, has one consciousness in his unity, but exists as three self-conscious persons, um, the, the claim is that it leads you toward tritheism, toward three separate self-conscious centers. Now let me try to apply this to you, and I want you to enter, I know we don't do Q&A while I'm lecturing, I understand that, but you can nod one way or the other as I'm talking to you, okay? Feel free to be as expressive as you want to be with me. But, but I, I want to make sure I'm engaging you here. Um, let, me, let me ask you this question. Before we talk about consciousness, is the Son all that the essence of God is without remainder? Right? Relations of subsistence say, of course he is. So, is there in the one God, one will, one mind, one purpose? Yes. Okay. However, does, is the personal property of the Son possessed by the Father? Mm -mm. Right? So, so while the Son is God, the Son is not the Father. Now here's the question. Here's a simple way to try to ask it. This is what Hodge, Van Til are after. We know that, right? We know the Son is not the Father. Here's the question. Does the Son know that? Does the Son know I am not the Father? I used it earlier, it kind of, because it it's in my notes. 
In John 17, 5, what does Jesus say? Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. That, that takes you directly back to John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Through him all things were made. Nothing was made that was. And, and, and so the question here is it, when you're talking about the implications of the, in, the numerical unity of God and the um, incommunicable personal properties, is it ever appropriate to say that God is one conscious, that he knows that he has one intelligence, one will, one mind. Why? Because he's one God. Yet at the same time, there are self-conscious persons distinct from one another in the Trinity. Um, Hodge, Van Til, want to say, yes, that's appropriate. Now, what keeps that from being tritheism? What keeps that from being tritheism? Listen, as the Son is distinct from the Father, He subsists entirely as the one God, so His consciousness is never separated from the unity of the divine essence. Is He distinct from the divine essence? No, he's identical to the divine essence. Is he distinct from the Father? Yes, he's distinct from the Father. He's identical to the essence, distinct from the Father. And because of that, Reformed theologians like Hodge and Van Til want to say, when qualified in that way, the Son knows all that God knows. One intelligence, one will, one mind but he knows it in the mode and identity and personal property of sonship, filiation, and not paternity. Um, that, that is a, uh, an issue that um, the Reformed were developing prior to Van Til. So there are three distinct incommunicable properties three distinct modes of personal subsistence, and the entailment, according to the Hodges, is three distinct self-conscious persons, but not three separate centers of self-consciousness. So there's a one consciousness, and there is a three consciousness, which Hodge says must ever continue as a profound mystery as it transcends all analogies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Preaching and Teaching, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.